In the late 1800s, a brilliant young surgeon was a trailblazer during the infancy of surgery, but battled addictions in his personal life. It sounds like a TV series, but the surgeon was Dr. William Halstead, whose fascinating life and career are explored in the book, Genius on the Edge. Welcome to ReachMD Book Club. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell, and we're joined by author Dr. Gerald Ember. Dr. Ember, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It's good to be with you. So how did you become interested in, in Dr. Halstead? It's a long story, but basically, um, I, I trained in New York and for a while in California and as a surgeon, and the people who trained me were trained by the people that Halstead trained. So for, I don't know how many, how many years I heard Halstead stories in the coffee room, and then when those guys died off, you know, that generation died off or retired, there was very little talk about Halstead, and my interest um, remained, and I started kind of poking around over the years, and then one day, um, I guess around 2008 or nine, I just said, oh, I'm just going to do it, and I kind of went down to Hopkins for a while, and, and I went through their files, and, and then we have a good uh, good deal of, of, of Halstead stuff at New York Hospital in our archives as well, and um, it just got me going. So as a person, what were Halstead's beginnings? Well, as a person, he was a, a privileged young man from a very influential, wealthy uh, New York family. He grew up on Lower Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, which was uh, probably the epicenter of society uh, at that time. And right directly where his family lived, where he grew up, was the first house that Edison had electrified. Um, a block or two away was the first telephone exchange um, the first uh, elevated subway train, and that's, a, that's an oxymoron, an elevated subway, but the first <laughs> elevated train then became the Third Avenue subway, was down the block from where he grew up. So he lived a privileged existence and um, in, in the upper classes of New York City. So how did he get drawn to Madison? Well, um, he was a, just a dreadful student, and he had gone, uh, he was sent away to a... Uh, Presbyterian boarding school that was very strict um, till he was about 12, and he escaped a couple of times and didn't like school at all, and finally went off to Andover. And in Andover, he was um, just another one of the guys, and he's only interested in sports. Um, but anybody who uh, left Andover at that time uh, could easily get to Yale, which he did. And at Yale, he was uh, on the varsity crew. He was a shortstop on the baseball team, and he was in the lower third of his class all the time. And then, then in his last year um, at, at Yale, he suddenly picked up a physiology book and an anatomy book and became interested, started hanging around the medical school, and went from the bottom of his class to near the top. Uh, and when he was graduated from, from Yale, he went to his dad, who had expected him to come into the family business, and said, uh, hey, I, I want to be a doctor. And as it turned out, his dad was uh, a trustee of Columbia uh, of Physicians and Surgeons, which ultimately became part of Columbia University. So what was surgery like in the 1880s? It wasn't surgery as we know it. It was, it was, it was barbaric. There was, in the eight, as late as the 1880s, there was no elective surgery being performed of any kind, essentially none. Certainly no elective abdominal surgery. Certainly no appendectomies were performed. I mean, up until the period of, I guess, the mid to late 1890s, um, if uh, peritophilitis is, I guess, what the, everyone called uh, appendicitis at the time, 
if one had, was diagnosed with appendicitis, it was usually confirmed at autopsy. And those lucky few uh, uh, in whom uh, the appendix perforated and was walled off by, by the omentum then had a pointing abscess that could be opened and they survived. But that was not the rule. So surgery was, an, even though Lister had, had begun um, the world of antiseptic surgery in 1867 and um, in the 1840s um, anesthesia was introduced, it was still a world of dealing with catastrophe. And when Halston was an intern at, um, at Bellevue, uh, he was there on the, on the fourth uh, surgical division for uh, seven months. And during that seven months, there were 90 admissions, uh, surgical admissions, and I believe 50 cases were performed. And the overwhelming majority were uh, compound fractures or, or the, the lancing of tuberculous abscesses. So, it, you know, it, it just wasn't surgery. Halstead, at least in America, is the person who made it surgery. So what was Halstead's approach to surgery, and how was it a little different than his contemporaries? Well, he kind of took Lister seriously. He um, spent two years after medical school at the seats of, of surgical and medical knowledge in, in Western Europe, primarily in, in Germany and, and, and Vienna. And he and he was with Bill Roth and, and Bill Roth's disciples, and he, he, he was really up-to-date in, in the modern thinking, but um, the United States wasn't. Um, and at the time that he graduated from medical school, I believe there were uh, 12 people in the entire country whose practice was surgeon. Everyone else was a physician. And... Um, when he finally went into practice, one of the places uh, in which he practiced uh, was Bellevue, which is a first-class hospital. And um, he was dissatisfied with their operating rooms, asked them to build a special operating room for him. And obviously they laughed. So he raised his own uh, funds. And for $10,000, he built a tent on the Bellevue grounds, which was heated, had running water, had um, hot water for cleaning instruments, and uh, the -the um, state-of-the-art antiseptic uh, setup using mostly uh, carbolic acid, what we know of as as phenol. Um, And um, he had, at that time, the cleanest and the most up-to-date operating room in probably in the United States in in his first year in practice. And that was, I think, 1882 or 3. So Halstead was one of the first people to start using cocaine as a local anesthetic? Yeah, that, that took place... In 1884, there was this fellow in Vienna um, named Sigmund Freud who um, became enamored of, of cocaine, and, and Freud um, wrote extensively on it. And one of his interns, a guy named Kohler, um, then took Freud's uh, cocaine solution, and he was an ophthalmologist, and he, he used a tincture of cocaine in, in, distill, uh, instilled in the conjunctivum and operated on, on various uh, uh, eye procedures painlessly. And in, in um, 1884, Kohler wrote a paper about it, and some, uh, someone from New York, a doctor from New York, happened to be in Germany where the paper was delivered, and then he wrote a column uh, which showed up in New York. Uh, a week later, Halstead read this, then read the paper, and a few months later, he had gotten a supply of cocaine um, from the manufacturers in in uh, uh, the United States, and uh, cocaine at that time was used in in uh, soft drinks. It was uh, uh, you know used to give people a lift, but it was never used medicinally. 
and he went one step beyond what Kohler and and uh, and Freud had done. He figured if it's blocking uh, sensory impulses, that if he injected it somewhere between the area on which he wished to operate and um, uh, and the, the sensory nerve delivering it to the CNS, um, he could block the pathway and operate without uh, operate painlessly. And so, in that period of time, just after um, 1884, he was the um, surgeon to the dispensary and outpatient surgeon at Roosevelt Hospital in Manhattan, and did a thousand procedures under cocaine um, local anesthesia. You're listening to Reach MD Book Club. I'm Dr. John Russell, and we're speaking with author Dr. Gerald Imber on his book, Genius on the Edge, The Bizarre Double Life of William Halstead. So Halstead then started using cocaine himself, correct? It was truly scientific. He, he was part, one of the people who uh, was experimenting with cocaine. And before he used it on patients, he used it on himself to see how, how it worked. He used it on his colleagues, everybody in his department, and he used it on his students. And one by one, they re- reported that the cocaine really works and they don't um, they don't have pain uh, uh, under sharp stimulation, but they also began to realize this is a lot of fun, and uh, they were happy. They stayed up late, and, and um, they became uh, almost to the man uh, addicted to cocaine, and Halstead was not spared either. A lot of them died, and uh, Halstead be- began then a lifetime of addiction. So how did cocaine uh, start affecting Halstead personally in his personal life, his professional life? Well, um, we can only tell um, what other people report. Um, but the first time there's any note of his odd behavior, he had written uh, uh, a small piece in a, uh, a medical journal which was rambling and totally incomprehensible. And everyone thinks that that was uh, the first sign of his having been under the influence of cocaine. But thereafter... He was kind of, um, he, he was, uh, at, in 1885, probably the leading surgeon in New York after just a few years in practice. Everyone recognizes genius, and suddenly he began to act very bizarrely. And um, his friend, uh, William Welsh, who was a father of surgical pathology and was at that time, had, had just left Bellevue, um, took uh, Halstead on a sailing trip to the West Indies to try to break him from his habit. And um, somewhere in the middle of the trip, the cocaine ran out. He tried to wean him off it. And uh, Halstead was caught breaking into the the uh, captain's locker looking for for various medicines, probably morphine. Um, and that was the first time that he had just gone over the edge. And um, subsequently, he was... Um, committed to the Butler Hospital in in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, uh, for treatment. But at that time, the treatment of addiction—the only thing people were addicted to was alcohol, and no one knew about cocaine, and certainly no one knew about addiction to it. So the first time uh, Halstead was at uh, at Butler for uh, about seven months, and he had um, a very healthy lifestyle. And he also had cocaine brought to him from the outside. So when he left, he was still an addict. Uh, the second time, he had already begun uh, working at the new Johns Hopkins, uh, and um, he was delivering a lecture at Harvard. And after his lecture, he checked himself into Butler again. And this time, he was dead set on, on curing his addiction. But at Butler, they recognized 
the, the, the hyper state, the hyperactive state he was in from the cocaine, so they treated him with morphine. So he left Butler after seven months again, this time addicted to cocaine and morphine. And he battled cocaine and morphine kind of on and off probably the rest of his life, correct? I, I, I think that's correct. Um, it, it kind of took a different turn because the morphine allowed him to deal with the cocaine. So he took morphine on a daily basis throughout his life. Uh, the cocaine um, he only used on weekends and on vacation. And so he would disappear from Baltimore for periods of time and see no one and use cocaine. And then in the summer, he would take um, uh, four or five, sometimes six months of vacation time when he was uh, allowed only two um, and would go to Europe for a couple of months and actually see none of his friends initially um, and just secret himself off someplace and, and uh, use cocaine and then re-enter and visit with the, the surgeons for a while in, in Europe and then come home to, to uh, North Carolina to his, to his estate uh, vacation there, and um, then return to the same cycle at Hopkins. But one of the things that really struck me is, as being a non-surgeon, is how many things that Halstead is really the innovator for. Can you go over some of the things that Halstead was really behind that are kind of commonplace in everyday operating rooms in the United States? I think that um, the the first thing, the, perhaps the most important thing that that uh, Halstead did was he was uh, he, he invented the residency training system. So he and Osler in medicine and Halstead in surgery together in the first year at Hopkins decided that had to be a good way to train people, and they actually began the graduated responsibility training system. Um, and then specifically related to surgery, in his first two years at Hopkins, um, he instituted the, the use of rubber gloves, sterile rubber gloves. He... Um, he had uh, devised and uh, uh, popularized the first successful cure for hernia, and he actually did uh, cure inguinal hernia. There was never a known successful surgical treatment for hernia until, Halstead, uh, until the Halstead repair. That just changed the economics of, of America's workforce. Um, he um, advanced um, breast cancer um, significantly during his first couple of years, by introducing the Halstead radical mastectomy, which uh, removed uh, the breast, the pectoralis muscles, and the lymphatic glands. And just a, a sidelight on that, um, Halstead didn't cure uh, breast cancer, uh, per se, because most of his patients died anyway. What happened at that time, and this is now late 1880s and early 1890s, is that patients didn't come for treatment until a uh, breast tumor was enormous and usually fungating and, and, um, and disseminated. Um, and uh, what Halstead's procedure did was it cured local recurrence. And then a number of years down the road, most of these patients died. But he reduced the percentage of local recurrence after uh, breast cancer from 50% to 6%. So that was a big change in the, at least the, uh, uh, the ability to live on um, a certain number of years for, for his patients. And, of course, it ultimately developed into the mastectomy as we know it, and then the modified, and then the lumpectomy and radiation. So really a wonderful, fascinating book. Genius on the Edge, Dr. Gerald Ember. Dr. Ember, thank you so much for being on the show today. 
been my pleasure. Thank you. This is Dr. John Russell. You've been listening to ReachMD Book Club. To download this program or others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com. Thanks again for listening.